afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Sinbin Podcast, always on the Sports Fluent Network. Check it out. As always, I'm Joe Trentley. He's Mitch Bannon. I'm from Harrisburg, PA. He's in Toronto, Ontario right now. Uh, fourth episode. Got a lot to talk about here. A lot going on over the weekend and a lot coming up this week. Uh, so first, we'll start with the leadoff here. Uh, Mitch will tell you what he's interested in right now. Yeah, I think so we're in like the dead off season of baseball. And by dead off season, I mean literally no free agents are signing except for Leon Hendricks. But last week, we had a little fun. Lindor, Francisco Lindor, was traded to the Mets. And I think every other baseball fan is so jealous, A, of Lindor, and B, of that ownership group. Steve Cohen seems like every single sports fan's dream. He's tweeting funny stuff on Twitter. He's going back at fans, putting out memes. And then he's spending the big bucks to make his team great. Uh, I think the Mets are going to be fun. I think the Mets fans kind of deserve this. They've had a long period of anguish and the opposite, the worst ownership. So I think I feel good for Mets fans, especially because they're in the National League, so I don't have to care about them. I am going to just – I'm ecstatic because today could be like a national holiday. Uh, hockey is back, folks. That's right. Tonight marks the start of the 56-game NHL condensed season with five games on the slate tonight. It all starts with Penguins and Flyers at 5.30, the Battle of Pennsylvania, followed by a slate of another four games. And I saw something, Mitch, I believe there tonight marks – it starts in 116 straight day stretch where there's at least one NHL game scheduled. I saw that. That's so hype. That hockey is, forever now. <laughs> that, yeah, that that is just it's it's like waking up on Christmas morning as a little kid and opening all your presents. It is fantastic. So the NHL's back. We'll get to that later. We actually have some discussions about the NHL later, but we're going to start the show with a recap of the college football playoff final over the weekend or on Monday, I should say. Uh, Alabama and Ohio State, really no surprise here. Alabama thumping yet again their 13th opponent of the season. I believe it was 13th opponent of the season. Um, and, and there was no surprise. It wasn't even a contest. They won, they won the game 52-24. to 24. Here's the stat line from Devontae Smith-Mitch. 12 receptions, 215 yards, and three touchdowns. And I believe all of that but one reception and maybe a few yards was – all in the first half. He came out in the second half and played like one or two snaps and he got a catch and that's when he hurt his hand and didn't play the rest of the game. So he virtually, he had 11, let's just say 11 receptions for 200 yards and three touchdowns in half number one. Yeah, it was, he was crazy. Everyone before the game was like, oh, is Jalen Waddle going to play? Like how healthy is Jalen Waddle going to be? And Devonta Smith's like, I think you guys are forgetting who won the Heisman. Thank you guys are forgetting who was the best player in college football this year. And he just went out and dominated. Alabama dominated. But you could have put Devonta Smith on my high school team, and he probably would have still got three touchdowns that game. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny when he came out for the second half and then played a couple snaps and left. I thought maybe that was his agent calling me like, man, what are you doing? You guys are going <laughs> to win this game. Sit down. I saw him after the game with the cast on, so I think he was legit hurt. But I thought that was maybe – a buddy you've done enough you're going top five in the draft now yeah clearly showing why he is the first wide receiver to win the Heisman since Desmond Howard in 1991 
but his quarterback didn't have a very uh, – didn't have a sloppy game himself. You know, Mac Jones, 36 of 45 for 464 yards and five touchdowns. That, that, that seems like it was okay. Yeah, it's pretty uh, decent. You know, Najee Harris had about 22 carries for 70-some yards and two touchdowns. You know, the big three doing what they do. And the defense holding Ohio State to 24 points. This season, I was looking at the numbers, Mitch – the lowest amount of points a team held Alabama to was 31. Every other, every, they've scored at least 31 points in every single game this season. Yeah, it's crazy. They, I, like, I, they were just far and away the best team in college football. Like, yeah. Far and, away. and now that team that held them to 31 was Notre Dame. But do you know who the second team to hold them to the lowest amount of points was? I bet you – it's an SEC team, but I bet you would not. Texas A&M? Uh, I'm out. I don't know. That was my Missouri. guess. Oh, wow. Interesting. Mizzou. Mizzou holding Alabama to 38. That was the second lowest amount of points they scored all season, 38. They should get a bowl game just for that. Yeah. yeah. Nick Saban getting his seventh title now, uh, passing Bear Bryant for the most all-time in college football history. You think you have to think that someday they might just rename the stadium, you know, Bryant Saban Stadium. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, or Saban Bryant's, however you want to, however you want to put it. But you have to fig, you have to figure that Nick Saban's going to be involved in the naming rights of that stadium some way or somehow, or a statue out front because the man is unbelievable. I, I also, I you know, I was reading a lot about this, and I saw it, it's crazy to think a Nick Saban recruit at Alabama. Every single recruit, everyone, has won a national championship. Yeah, that's crazy. If Every you, you commit to Alabama to win a ring, that's how it works. You play in high school to be good enough to get an offer from Alabama to guarantee yourself a national championship. That's just how it works. doesn't matter if you go into the NFL or anything else. You probably will if you're good enough to start for them. But, yeah, your high school days, like kids in high school playing football right now, are playing to be good enough to win a national championship at Alabama. They're just the the pro. They're one of the two elite programs in college football, and they're gonna just reload. Next. They have a five star recruit right behind Mac Jones right now, so it's not like they're they're not already rebuilt for next year. It's just a dynasty that never ends. But Alabama, your twenty twenty one weird, you know, weird uh, pandemic year, you know, season, whatever you want to call it, but they are legitimately the champions. Deserve it. Devontae Smith deserved the Heisman. Every award coming their way, they deserve uh, clear, clearly the best team in college football. They are your 2021 college football champions. But we are now moving on to the professionals. Uh, the NFL had their wild card slate weekend. Uh, three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. I know it was a lot of fun uh, to have three NFL games on each weekend day. It pains me to say that Mitch was actually correct in every single prediction that he made. Last every single one. Every, every single, single one that he made last. Can you say week. that again. Every, every single one. I think that's genuinely pretty impressive. Yeah. He 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 picked every game right. So we have. We'll, we'll go through. I'll read off one by one um, the scores and from the game, and then we can recap. Uh, what we saw from each game. Uh, the first one we saw, Bills beat the Colts. That was the first game of the season, or first game of the season, first game of the weekend, uh, one o'clock on Saturday. Close one, 27-24. Um, 
a lot of people didn't really give the Colts a chance in that game. I, I gave the Colts a, a chance. I said if there was going to be an upset, I think it would be Indy over Buffalo because of how well-balanced the Colts are. Um, I, I just – playoff Phillip Rivers doesn't get it done. Uh, the Colts have one of the best defenses in the NFL, and their offense – they have one of the best running games in the NFL. So I thought there would be – and sure enough, they held it to three, Mitch. Yeah, I uh, – this game played out almost exactly how I thought it was going to. I thought we both kind of talked about – uh, last week, how we thought it was going to be one of the closer games, how the Colts were kind of a matchup nightmare for the Bills, and it played out exactly like that. The Bills uh, couldn't get the ball because the Colts were running the ball the entire time, but then when they did get the ball, they made the most of it. And as we kind of predicted, it came down to a last second Phillip Rivers drive that was just terribly clock managed. There was like 15 replay reviews. It was kind of a disaster for everyone involved, including the NFL. But uh, yeah, I think this one. Would have, we would have been talking about this game a lot more if Indy had actually won because there would have been a lot of controversy on that fumble was his knee down. But yeah, I think this one was a good wake-up call for the Bills in that like we're they kind of at the beginning of the playoffs, people kind of penciled them in. Okay, Bills, Chiefs are the only two great teams in the AFC. I think this kind of showed them that this is playoff football. You can lose to anybody. And there was there were two main calls in that game that were contra- controversial. Uh, the one that you just mentioned about the fumble, and then how about the one along the sideline, the catch that they ruled inbounds, but you could see his toe was out. Uh, two calls that went to video review, and they both stood because the call on the field was for the first or for the first for the catch. It was the call on the field was a catch, so they determined that there wasn't enough evidence to overturn the catch. And then the second one was called. He was down, and he didn't fumble it. And sure enough, they stood with that call, too, as well. So both calls going both ways. It was an interesting game. Buffalo moves on. I didn't really – I saw the Bills winning, but, again, it was a very close game, good game to watch. Uh, This one was – I mean, not really a shocker with the defense. Uh, Rams beat Seahawks. They went up to the Hawks' nest and won 30-20. to The Rams' defense just dominating this game absolutely dominating this game. Aaron Donald had, I think, two or two and a half sacks in the first half, which is, of course... And then he left the game with an injury. Probably could have got six if he stayed in. Yeah, it was nothing unusual. Um, You know, I saw Jalen Ramsey locking down DK Metcalf this season. Uh, I believe he's had... I believe Metcalf has had, in the two games that they played Los Angeles, three games they played Los Angeles, I believe he's had 11 targets and only, like, four catches since Jalen Ramsey's when Jalen Ramsey was covering him in those games wow. uh, clearly a lot of frustration Metcalf was frustrated on the sideline during this game him and uh, Wilson seemed to be arguing a little bit but I, I don't know Mitch do you want to come up with some answers for me because I'm starting to wonder how the Seahawks collapsed in the second half of the season you know they got off to that really hot start Russell Wilson was the clear-cut MVP front runner now I know it was only through the first five or six games of the year but you think with a quarterback like Russell Wilson, the veteran experience, one of the top three quarterbacks in the league on any given year, uh, you know, I, I don't know how this team just collapses. I, I And I look at the defense, and, you know, the defense isn't very great, but they still have the best, arguably the best linebacking core in the league in K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner. They still have Jamal Adams at safety, who's, say what you want, he's, not the greatest in pass coverage, but he's a good run stopper and he's a physical safety to come down and, and load the box with. So it's not like they have slouches 
on defense as well, like all slouches on defense. And this offense, as we know, can be explosive at any single given time with Chris Carson, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, you name it. I, I just don't know. I'm still trying to figure out how a team like this can collapse. I, I think they're trying to figure it out as well. They fired their offensive coordinator yesterday after he he was one of the highest highest you mentioned the highest toted offenses in the first half of the season. Like I think they don't really know what went wrong. Um, I've read a bit about it, and I think there's some reports that the play calling was heavily criticized. They didn't diversify their offense. They weren't changing stuff. So teams were getting looks at them and could kind of tell what was coming. Uh, and when you have Russell Wilson, you have Lockett and Metcalf, like you should be able to be creative on offense. You can do a lot of stuff with those guys. And I think it was kind of, it came down to they weren't using their weapons to the best of their ability and they weren't really playing to improve. I think the most important part of having a good offense and winning in the playoffs is you have to be better than you were in week five, week eight, week 16. You have to elevate your game and you have to get better. You have to bring out new plays and change things. And they didn't really do that. And, and remember this game, Wolford started for the Rams and he got hurt, uh, actually taken out of the stadium. Um, and Jared Goff had to come in coming off of thumb surgery. He has the biggest so, thumb I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so Jared Goff is virtually throwing the football with four fingers and the Rams still get it done, still put 30 points up on the board. You know, an impressive win for them. They just, they're always a team that, you know, I think goes into the playoffs during the Sean McVay era where people are like, yeah, the Rams are good, but there's no way they have a legitimate chance of winning the whole conference. Like there's no way they're going to the Super Bowl. And they already went to one under him. Now that year, their offense was immaculate and their defense was also immaculate. Um, so, and then that was arguably the most boring Super Bowl of all time. But, <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're a team that with a great defense, you know, defense wins championships, especially during playoff time. You see, you saw what they did to Russ and the Seahawks and that offense. They could make some noise as they continue to move through the NFC. So, staying in the NFC, the Saturday night game, uh, the Bucks and the football team. A little bit of a surprise, you know, nobody gave the football team any chance to barely put points up on the board with Taylor Heineke at, at the helm uh, under center. And the Bucks and Tom Brady only getting squeaking out a 31 to 23 win over the Washington football team. Uh, you know, Brady did look okay in that game. He, he, you know, the the offense looked okay, but you know, and saying a defense held a team to 23 points, you could say, oh, well, that's a win in the National Football League. You can hold a team under 23 or to 23 or under, but this is a Washington football team, Mitch, with their backup quarterback in now, you know, they got rid of Haskins. So he was the backup. Alex Smith is hurt. So now Heineke comes in, in a playoff game against the man with the most Super Bowls out of any quarterback in the history of the game. And they still put up and, and keep it to an eight point game. Yeah, it was, it was a fun one. I didn't watch the first quarter of this one. And then I like noticed it was close. I'm like, okay, I have to, figure out how to get this on my tv i was driving home from somewhere and i was listening to it on the radio and it was they were saying how dynamic this heineke guy was i'm like okay how dynamic can he really be um i'm curious to see from what arians was saying before the game he was genuinely a little afraid of two things he was afraid of heineke as an asset and as a, a diverse offensive weapon and he was also afraid that his defense was going to take their foot off the pedal a little bit 
they might be penciling this one in as a free win. I'm not sure if that's what happened, but I think Devin White uh, being a little banged up and and their offense or and them thinking that this was maybe a free win kind of played into it. I'm I think there's a chance that they come out next week really strong because they have to prove that they're they deserve to be here. Yeah, the the Bucks moving on throughout the NFC. We 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 kind of that was a no-brainer. Everybody had the Bucks uh winning this game, but heck of a season for Riverboat Ron and the Washington football team. The roller coaster ride that it was to win the NFC least if we want to call it that. But regardless, they were the division winners. They got a home playoff game and they they played well against the Bucks and Tom Brady. Now, perhaps the biggest surprise out of the entire wild card weekend, uh, Cleveland going to Pittsburgh and taking care of business. Uh, it really it wasn't ever close. Wasn't a surprise game. to me. For, yeah. From the start of the game, uh, first snap, pouncey straight over Ben's head. It, it, ben didn't even fall on it. James Conner didn't even look like he wanted to touch it. And the Browns got a scoop and score for a touchdown. I mean, it was just – the Browns won 48-37, and while the score is only an 11-point game, it felt like it was a 35-point win for the Browns all night. The Steelers kept playing catch-up. There's a lot of issues to go over. I, I don't even know where to start. First of all, the first play of the game that I mentioned, Ben Roethlisberger threw four interceptions. Mike Tomlin choosing to punt the ball on fourth and one when you're down by two or three touchdowns with one quarter to go. That's an issue, and you have the momentum. I, there are just so many different issues to go to go over throughout this game. You know, Ben Roethlisberger threw for 501 yards and four touchdowns. That's fantastic. That's great. But he also to be threw, fair, he did have like 70 passing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. But he also and but he also threw four picks. So that basically nullifies everything that he did. They still put a. If you would have told Ben Roethlisberger before the game that you're going to hang 37 on the Cleveland Browns in this playoff game, and you'd lose the football game, I. I think anybody on the Steelers would laugh at you. I think anybody in the NFL fan base or, you know, would laugh at you. It's the Cleveland Browns didn't, they haven't won a playoff game since 1994 when Bill Belichick was the head coach. That was the last time they won a playoff game. The last time they were in a playoff game was 2002 against the Steelers at Heinz field. And they lost, it was a close one, but they lost 36, 33. I didn't see this coming. I know you're going to say you saw it coming. I think deep down you really thought the Steelers were going to win. You just didn't want to admit it. But I, Cleveland was without their head coach. They were without their offensive they line. They didn't coach. practice. I thought that was the best part. This is like an indictment on NFL practice everywhere. If the Browns can go into Pittsburgh and win this game, put up like a 1,000 points like they did without practicing all week, the NFLPA should just be saying, okay, no player should ever have to practice ever again. I – it was just a complete and total collapse, embarrassment, whatever you want to call it, by the Steelers. You know, there are so many questions now. I saw they have at least 20 players that are free agents this offseason. Ben has a $40 million cap hit if he decides to come back or not. Pouncey already announced that he's probably going to retire. And Ben and Pouncey have, you know, already discussed, well, the one will play as long as the other plays. So we'll see how that goes. At this point, I think the best move – is for Ben to hang it up, give the Steelers the 40 million cap space to work with in the off season. Um, you know, as much as I hate to say it, you might have to stick with Mason Rudolph for a year or two. Uh, you know, Mac Jones, it, you might get Mac Jones. 
depending on if they can get a quarterback or a competent quarterback in the draft. Okay. I'm all on board with that, but there's a lot Trey Lance, Mac Jones. That's like the perfect little 20th overall pick tier. Yeah. But let's just say, you know, they can't get a competent quarterback or they choose not to, because there's a lot of it. They need to rebuild the O line. They need another running back. You know, they need a, they need a safety. They, they have some corner issues. They got to work out. I, I, there's so much to rebuild and, Obviously, it all starts with the quarterback. You know, for me, I think, I think quarterback and O-line are the two focal points that they really got to focus on. Uh, the running back position, you know, everybody says, well, the Steelers can't run the ball, which is true. Uh, but that starts with the O-line. Uh, a running back's only as good as his O-line is. Um, I'm not saying James Conner's a great running back because I don't think he's great. I think he's average. I think he's your average NFL running back. What I like about him is he runs hard and he will put his shoulder down. And even if, you know, it's Bobby Wagner on the other side, he's going to try and run through you. Uh, but he, we've seen it for years. He's not the answer. You know, the Steelers haven't had a good run game since Le'Veon Bell was there. And Ben's only getting older. I, I just think that's the best move. I'll, you know, I took two, the last two years without making the playoffs. I, I think you do it now because you know it's coming. You know Ben has literally one more year, if that. If he decides to come back, he only has one more year. And I think that's what you got to do. Uh, it will we'll suffer. It will suck. I'm not saying it's not going to suck, but every team goes through a rebuild at some point. When you've had a franchise quarterback like that for 15-plus seasons, you know it's coming. You know all these teams are going to go – the Saints are going to go through it with Drew Brees – the Patriots are going through it right now. When Tom Brady left, they brought in Cam Newton for a year. The Packers are going to eventually go through it with Aaron Rodgers. You know, it, it's, it, it's what happens. You know, guys retire. Guys get older. They retire. Their playing days are over. So, and the Steelers haven't prepared for it with a competent quarterback. They haven't. A lot of people were saying draft quarterbacks in previous years. I, I will be the first to admit I thought Mason Rudolph was a great pick. Coming at, like in the draft, I thought, okay, man played in the Big 12 huge offensive conference he's a big tall pocket passing quarterback exactly what fits the Steelers offense well that didn't turn out too well so I don't know they got a lot of issues to fix regardless Cleveland moves on 48-37 to <laughs> Kansas City we'll see how that one goes um, you, you and Chase Claypool don't seem too convinced that they're gonna win yeah well you know I yeah now Moving on to the next game, which I picked this one too, to your surprise. Uh, Baltimore goes into Tennessee and gets it done 20 to 13. You were more confident than I was on this one. I yeah. Think. Yeah. I mean, the Ravens are a good football team. I'm, I'm just because I don't like them doesn't mean I'm not going to admit that they're a good football. They're a well balanced football team on both sides of the football, on offense and defense. Uh, and it showed they shut the Titans down down to 13 points the titans were the number one offense in the national football league in the regular season and they shut them down 13 points i thought derrick henry they held him to like 40 some rushing yards 48 48 when you when you do that you're going to beat the titans i'm sorry yeah. ryan Tannehill can only throw to aj brown so many times well, ryan Tannehill was great too in the first half hats off to ryan Tannehill. but baltimore going in and getting it done 20 to 13 yeah but i think you, the most important part was lamar did everything Everyone said he couldn't do. Won a playoff game. They were down 10 at halftime. 
they he did and they came back and they won the game he did everything that everyone said he couldn't do he made the big throws outside the numbers he found Marquise Brown downfield multiple times he wasn't just hucking it up the up the up the seam to Mark Andrews he did everything everyone said he couldn't do and then he was also Lamar Jackson he also just busted off a crazy 70 yard touchdown that I was I was sitting on my couch screaming at him just get the ball off throw the ball away and like that shows even Ravens fans sometimes lose a little faith in Lamar's ability to weasel his way out of the pocket and bust off a 65-yard run. Well, regardless, the Ravens look good. They beat the Titans. Those are two – you know, you mentioned earlier about – when we were talking about the Colts and the Bills, how everybody thought, oh, it's the Bills in Kansas City and the AFC. The AFC was so well-rounded this year, I think, from top to bottom. All seven playoff teams were good football teams. I think that each one of those teams – you know, compared to the NFC, the AFC was easily the superior conference this year, uh, in my opinion. But, you know, these are two prime, prime examples, uh, the Ravens and the Titans. The, the four and five seeds, Baltimore – or not the four – yeah, the four and five seeds, Baltimore and Tennessee. And when you think about Baltimore and Tennessee being the fourth and fifth best-ranked teams in the AFC heading into the playoffs, that says something about depth in the AFC. Uh, but regardless – Baltimore moves on. They will head to Buffalo, to Bills Mafia, to play the Bills. And the last game of the wild card weekend, probably the most boring game of the wild card weekend, Saints and Bears. I, you know, Mitch, I'm sorry. I, I have no hate for the Chicago Bears whatsoever. I, you know, duh, Bears, what, I'm fine with it. But the problem with me is whenever you put the Chicago Bears on primetime games, I just can't stand to watch it. I can't stand to watch a Mitch Trubisky offense go out there and put up seven points on a primetime game every single time it happens. And the Bears have a good defense, which is sad. Because, again, they have arguably the best linebacking core with Roquan Smith, Khalil Mack, and Danny Trevathan. But their defense does not deserve that offense. Allen Robinson does not deserve to, you know – He's get... so gone. He's, yeah. he's yeah. the most – the player I've – him and Juju, I think, are – I would bet my entire life that they don't come back to the same teams. It, it, it was – I just can't stand to – again, I have no beef with the Bears. It's just any time that I see them on the, on the schedule and I see that they play a primetime game, whether it's Thursday night, Sunday night, or Monday night, I'm like, yeah, I don't even know if I want to tune into this because you know what you're going to get over and over and over and over again. They put up nine points, and they, they scored the, that touchdown in the last, you know – like three minutes of the game. The only thing that made that game competent to watch for me was that it was on Nickelodeon. I mean, that, you, got, you had the slime in the end zone for every touchdown. That was great. Uh, Saints won that game 21-9. Really no doubt there. Uh, what did you think of that game? Did you watch it on Nickelodeon or did you watch I it on I watched Studio? the fourth quarter on Nickelodeon. I couldn't find a stream for the first little bit. I'm like, okay, this game is – an absolute snooze fest. I'll go try to find a Nickelodeon stream. Um, yeah, it was, you're right. The Nickelodeon stream was the best part of the whole game. Uh, I think the Saints and Sean Payton will be perfectly happy with that boring game. If a game is boring and you win by 12 points, it means the coaching staff did exactly what they wanted to do. I don't think any team wants to win an exciting game. Uh, I think they want to go through control possession. Um, the only time where I thought things got close is when that the watchers the Bears wide receiver dropped the ball that hit him right in the chest in the end zone yeah uh, I think that yeah. could have maybe turned the game but other than that I think you're completely right it was, it was a bit of a snooze fest 
Yeah, that was I, – I don't know how you drop that football. as a, I mean, it happens to the best of them, uh, but that would have been a huge momentum swing in the game. And from there on, the Bears just didn't have it. So now, you know, from, we move on from wild card weekend to the divisional round. Uh, the games are set. The schedule's set. So Saturday at 4.30, Rams-Packers at Lambeau Field. Uh, we'll just go through each matchup here and give our quick little predictions here, Mitch. I'm going to go with the Packers. Uh, I, I don't think it's – I mean, the Rams' defense is fantastic. And, again, it's the same story. They go up against a great offense uh, like they did in Seattle. I think Aaron Rodgers coming off of a whole extra week of rest. Playoff football in Lambeau Field for a Los Angeles team that's used to the sunshine and the warmth. Uh, what's going to happen with Jared Goff and his thumb? Is it going to be better? Is it going to, you know, who's going to play quarterback for the Rams? Again, it's the same question over and over. I think the Rams defense holds Aaron Rodgers to not his usual numbers, but I still think the Packers get it done. Uh, Devontae Adams was the best receiver in the NFL this year, in my opinion. Um, that offense is just too, too explosive, especially playoff Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field. I think the Packers get it done. I think they beat the Rams. Yeah, I, I agree. But I think there's the one caveat I'll give is I think this Packers team is very similarly built to the Seahawks team. I think they're just kind of a better version of this Seahawks team, like the elite pretty mobile quarterback uh, with the one or two good passing weapons and then not a whole lot past that and then the good run game uh, and then you look at they both have good defenses or the Seahawks had a decent defense in the second half but I think their offenses are built similarly so I think the Rams Rams game plan is going to be the exact same thing and if they execute like they did uh, last week and if Aaron Donald plays the whole game it could be a similar outcome but I do think that the Packers team is a better version of the Seahawks offense. So I, I think they should get it done. So we both take the Packers in this one. Remember, I'll keep these predictions marked down to see if I can steal the week or the weekend, I should say. Uh, the Saturday night game, Ravens and Bills. Your Ravens head up to Bills Mafia to take on Buffalo. I think this could be the best game out of the divisional round um, overall. I think these teams match up well with one another. They're both explosive on offense. Um, the Bills' defense has kind of taken a little bit of a hit this year as a, or a drop-off as opposed to last year, but they're still a good, competent defense. Uh, who do you got in this one? I, I don't – I don't. you were skeptical last week against the Titans, uh, and now you head to Buffalo to face the number two seed in the AFC. Uh, does your opinion change? Or Obviously, my heart wants me to take the Ravens, and I think it was funny. I had a Bill, Bills fan text me during the Saturday game or during the, the wild card weekend game and say something like, Oh, can you win this game for us? I want the bills to have an easier path implying that like the Titans would be the harder team for the bills to play. I asked why he's like, Oh, the Titans have such a good rushing offense and our rushing defense sucks. I'm like the Ravens have the best rushing offense in like NFL history. I don't know if you necessarily want to be game planning to play them. If rushing defense is your issue. Um, I think, the thing about this game is it's two very good coaches against each other who are going to go up and game plan against each other very well. I'm scared of the Bills offense. I think they could get up uh, kind of – they're built like Kansas City in that they can get up by 21 points. They can come back from 21 points. And I think that's a type of team the Ravens don't necessarily play well against. I think our game plan is going to be obvious. It's going to be run the ball 75% of the time. 
keep the clock moving and just don't give the ball to Josh Allen. All that said, I think the Bills are a really good team, and I think we're probably going to lose a close one. Was was that Buffalo Bills fan Max Kalnitz and or Matt Geraci? Uh I will not confirm or deny. <laughs> so it's it's at least one of the two. Uh, I have a feeling I know which one it was. Uh, I, to your surprise, I'm going to take the Ravens again. I I just think the Number Ravens, one Ravens fan, Joe Trentley. <laughs> no, no. I just think the Ravens are too well-balanced of a team. They got hot at the end of the year, at the right time of the year. Uh, they went into Tennessee and got a playoff win. So, they, you know, proving they can win on the road in the playoffs. I know Buffalo is a whole different animal from Tennessee. I don't mean to cut you off, but I saw something. John Harbaugh has the most road playoffs wins ever. Ever. That's crazy. Veteran <laughs> coach, as you just stated, um, has a Super Bowl under his belt. Uh, I I think – I think the Ravens go and get it done. I think it's a very, 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 very close and good game. I think both offenses put up over 30 points. I just think in the end, I think the Ravens defense will get that that one or extra turnover that they need to really swing the tide of the game, um, whether it be an interception or whether, you know, Judon or Cal- uh, Calais Campbell or Ngakwe gets a strip sack or something. I, I think the Ravens come away with a close win. I think Lamar has a field day running the football through the Bills' defense. Um, not saying through the air, but I think I think the Ravens go up to Buffalo and get it done and move on to the AFC Championship game. Uh, and speaking of staying in the AFC as to who they'll play in the AFC Championship game, Cleveland goes to Kansas City for the Sunday afternoon game. Uh, I'm just going to start with this one. Chiefs, I think that's all I really have to say. I, I'm not giving the Browns any chance. I'm sorry. I know they whooped the Steelers. You know, people might say I'm a salty fan. I'm not salty at all. They deserve to beat the Steelers. They wanted it more than the Steelers. The Steelers looked terrible. They came out flat. The Browns deserved that win in every way, shape, or form. I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying that right now. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying I picked Kansas City to win the Super Bowl from day one, and I'm just sticking with it. I again. An extra week of rest for the best quarterback in the league, the best offense in the league, one of the best head coaches in the league to game plan. And, you know, you're still coming with a depleted roster as of right now. You know, Stefanski's still going to coach, but you don't know what's going to – you don't know who's going to play or who's going to be there for Cleveland. Yes, they beat Pittsburgh, but Kansas City's a whole different animal. I'm yeah. taking the Chiefs. This seems like the letdown game to – to end all letdown games. The entire city of Cleveland had their, their redemption moment. They crushed the Steelers, and now they have to go play argue, unarguably the most talented team in the league. I think this is – I just – I don't want to, like – I feel like this is going to get clipped or something if we both just say that there's really no chance the Browns win, and they somehow do. But I just don't see it. I don't see a circumstance that isn't, like – I legitimately think Patrick Mahomes could go down with an injury in the first quarter, and I would still probably take the Chiefs to win the game. And you that's like the best Chad player Henney. in the league. <laughs> you have faith in Chad Henney. I do. I do. I really do. He played pretty well in week 17. <laughs> I think the only chance that the Browns have to keep this close is to establish the run game early with Chubb and Hunt and do what they did to the Steelers and just keep running the football. Uh, the Chiefs' defense is good, but it's not great. Uh, it picked. It definitely picked up the second half of the season. 
but I still think, you know, with those two guys, you can run the football on anybody. I don't care if it's the Rams defense or whoever. I, I think Nick Chubb is that good. He's a top five running back in the league. Uh, they have the best one-two punch in the league, arguably, you know, easily, I think. Uh, and then followed better by – than, Better than Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson? <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think closely followed by Indianapolis. But I, I – I, that's the only way I can see the Browns even keeping like this close is if they establish the run, run the football down the chief's throats, keep the time moving and keeping Pat Mahomes and that offense off the field. I think they can at least, you know, not make it embarrassing. Uh, but who knows? The chiefs have come out flat footed in a lot of games. They've won a lot of games by very close margins this season, uh, not blowing teams out very often, if at all. Uh, but I still think the chiefs get it done. And then, Last playoff game of the weekend to wrap it up. We have the NFC South matchup, the Bucks and the Saints. Saints holding the Bucks or uh, have their number this year. Uh, Drew Brees 2-0 and so far against Brady this year. A lot of people arguing this is the senior bowl, uh, seeing the memes of, of aged Tom Brady and aged Drew Brees. Uh, this will be a good one. Uh, you know, the Saints winning both matchups earlier in the year, but the Bucks coming to the Superdome, Brady with the chip on his shoulder, got that first playoff win as a Buccaneer. And and Drew Brees, you can see, you know, he's still Drew Brees, but you can see the decline in both of these guys as they get older. Uh, they're still first ballot Hall of Famers, both respectively, easily. Uh, I just think both defenses are great. Both guys have weapons all around. It's a close game. I think – I don't know. I, I'm probably going to still go with the Saints. 2-0 uh, this year, I, I think they get it done. I think, you know, the Bucks have a great rush defense, but I think the Saints find a way to get Alvin Kamara involved in the short pass game, as they always do. And I think that could be the key difference to this game. Maybe an interception or two by the Saints defense on Tom Brady will turn the tide. I think the Saints win a close one. It'll be a very close one, I I believe, but I'm taking the Saints. Yeah, I think I kind of had the same thought process as you. I could see you wanting to pick the Saints, but then you don't want to bet against Brady because we've all kind of learned the hard way not to do that. I think this is going to be a really good game. I think this will be fun. I have an interesting prediction. I think the Saints are going to win, and I think they're going to win because of one player that you didn't mention. I think they saw Heineke and what he could do with his legs uh, last week against this against this uh, Buccaneers defense. I think Taysom Hill is going to be a huge factor in this game. I think he's going to take more snaps than maybe he ever has before in a game that Breeze has played. Uh, and I think he's going to be a huge weapon that they're going to try to exploit um, the Buccaneers D and just become a matchup nightmare for. So we're both taking the Saints. Uh I took the Ravens. You took the Bills. That's where we defer. That's we hilarious. The, <laughs> the, one, the one game we disagree on is the Ravens game. Yeah. We both took the Chiefs, and we both took the Packers. So keep an eye on that Ravens-Bills game, ladies and gentlemen, to see if somebody is right this week with all their predictions. Otherwise, you know, we all pick the same. So that's your divisional round weekend. Two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Be sure to tune in. Everybody loves playoff football. Now – Again, moving on to the most exciting time of the year, the startup of the NHL season. And after all, this podcast is called The Sin Bin. A lot of differences this year. 56 games, condensed schedule. They realign the divisions. So 
every single Canadian team is in one division, the North Division. You have the East Division, you have the West Division, and you have the Central Division. Um, a lot. What do you think? First of all, before we get into each division, Mitch, what do you think about these this realignment? What what's what do you think? What are you most excited for, or least excited for, with this realignment of divisions? I kind of love it. I think as a Canadian hockey fan, we're a little spoiled in that this kind of I think it means more to the the northern division than everyone else everyone else is just okay we're playing random teams uh the canadian the northern division i don't even know who the sponsor is scotiabank scotiabank northern division maybe i know they name them all weird things um is all the canadian teams and i think that's so fun i think it's going to be calgary edmonton 10 times a year toronto versus uh even toronto vancouver like eight times a year that's going to be fun i think it's going to be fun kind of having this battle of internal battle of canada i think it's fun because the postseason uh, or the playoff bracket is the winner of each division. They play small little tournaments to determine the winner of the division, which means there is guaranteed to be a Canadian team in the final four this year, which is big for the finally trying to get a Canadian team to win the cup. <laughs> yeah. Canadian team has had a long, long drought of uh, winning the Stanley cup. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how this, you know, I'm going to touch on that as my interesting point, as you said, the North division you know, you mentioned Toronto and Vancouver. That's exactly what I was going to touch on. I think it actually it it's nice and exciting for Canadians and and fans uh, in Canada, but I think it actually hurts the the Canadian teams more. Uh, not not the fact that you said a, a Canadian team is guaranteed in the final four. The fact of travel. You're you're talking about Montreal, for example, having to play Vancouver eight times so four trips to vancouver for montreal and four trips to montreal for vancouver let's just say that's just let's just say that's a direct flight how long of a direct flight is that six six seven hours that travel is going to be terrible uh it it already is not ideal for it to you know regularly you know, say if Winnipeg goes to play Vancouver, that's still a hefty plane ride. Canada is just that big and spread out of a country that the, no matter what, it's like the West, it's like the West in the United States, you know, even, you know, Dallas to, to LA or Dallas to Seattle, you know, something like that. They're both in the Western, originally in the Western conference, you know, I don't know. I think travel will be the most interesting thing to see because if you look at all the other alignments of each division, they're all compact and within the same geographical region. Mm-hmm. So I think that hurts the North division more. But I, I think I guess, that's the one reason it won't stick. I think there's a lot of people being like, wow, this Canadian division is super fun. Why don't we keep this? And I think it's because the players would just never agree to consistently fly seven hours, four times a year. Yeah. But regardless, we'll get into each division now. We'll make our predictions, sleeper teams, who we think is going to win, maybe a bust in each division. So we'll start here with the Central Division, Mitch. Uh, The Central Division includes Columbus, Chicago, Nashville, Florida, Tampa Bay, Dallas, Carolina, and Detroit. First, uh, we'll start with your division winner. Uh, Actually, let's start with your sleeper. We'll go sleepers first out of the Central Division. Sure. I don't, they made the playoffs last year. They made a little noise. I don't know if they're like a true sleeper. There's only 
a 31, soon to be 32 teams. So I don't know if there's that many teams pe- people aren't thinking about, but I think the Hurricanes could make a lot of noise this year. I think they're a really, really well-built team. I think that line of uh, Aho, Teravainen, and Svechnikov is going to be the best line in hockey this year. I legitimately think it's going to be the new Pasternak, Marshawn, Bergeron. Uh, I think all three of those players are arguably top 40 players in the league, uh, at least top 30 or 40 forwards. And I think they gel so well and they're just a perfectly built line that I think they're going to carry the Hurricanes to second, if not competing for first in this division. Uh, You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, (laughs) I was also going to go with the Hurricanes for the exact reason that you mentioned with Aho, Shvechnikov, and Taravine. And uh, we've seen this team now over the last few years blossom into something great. Uh, This young core with Slavin, you know, I I, I think the Hurricanes are are here to stay for a while. They built a really nice young core, as I just mentioned. Uh, They made the playoffs. They made the run to the Eastern Conference final two years ago. I think this team is destined for great things. I'm not saying they're they're not going to win the division, but they'll definitely be there up towards the top. And I think they are the sleeper coming out of the central. Uh, You could also make a case for Columbus and Dallas as well to be the sleepers. But I I think Carolina is the clear cut sleeper, if you want to call them that for this division. Uh, And we'll go, we'll go next with the bust. Who do you think will be the bust from the central? So this is a little spoiler alert. I am choosing the bust, who's also the team I'm going to predict to win this division, which seems very counterintuitive. But I think the Tampa Bay Lightning will win the division, but they both are probably the best team, but they have the most room to disappoint. They're coming off the Stanley Cup final, the victory. They finally got it done. But I think people are kind of disregarding. Nikita Kucherov's not going to play this year. He's arguably the third, fourth, maybe fifth best player in the National Hockey League, and he's just out. And so, uh, and Stamkos, you always, like, are guaranteed he's probably going to miss some time. Uh, And they're in kind of cap hell right now. I think they're right at the cap, if not above it. So if they have an injury, they're going to be hard-pressed to go out and kind of get someone to fill that hole. And so I think there's a lot of room to disappoint for the Lightning. I'm going to go with the Predators as my bust. Um, They've been a playoff team, well, playoff you know, bound team or borderline team over the last, you know, they went to the cup final in 17 against the Pens. I, I just think there's too many questions there. Uh, goaltending being the biggest one, Pecorine or UC Soros, you know, who, who is it? It, it? At this point, it's UC Soros, but he hasn't really proven himself, see what he can do. Uh, I just think the Predators are going to be the bust um, in this division. You could make a case, like I said, for or like you said, for a lot of teams. You know, the Lightning, if you want to call them a bust, uh, you know, without Kucherov this year, I I can see that happening. I, you know, I'll I guess this will spoil it. I also think they're going to win the division. I don't think there's any dispute on that. Uh, there's a, this division is very interesting. Looking at these teams here, uh, all of them are interesting. And besides Detroit. You know, Chicago, Columbus, Florida could be a sleeper. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't really even mention them. A lot of people have had high hopes for them for the last two years or so. So I think I think uh, the Predators are my bust, uh, and then I'll just get right into it. I think the Lightning win this division. Uh, coming off of that Stanley Cup that they've been wanting to get so badly. Uh, I, I Again, even without Kucherov, they're, they're that loaded of a team. They have the best goalie in the league. I, 
I don't see them not winning this division. And I don't think it's even really close as to who comes in second. Uh, when they were in the Atlantic, you know, you had Boston right there. Uh, but I, I don't think it's even close. I think Tampa Bay wins this division with flying colors. Yeah, I think they win as well. I just talked about them, so I'm not going to spend too much time. I think they're going to still score a lot of goals. They, Sergachev, I think there's a chance he really takes a step this year and becomes a, a number one defenseman in this league. Um, I think they're one, another flaw that I didn't mention uh, is that they're pretty thin on goaltending. Vasilevsky is great, but I think having two good goaltenders is going to be important this year because of the back-to-backs and the travel and the, the condensed schedule. And I don't know if I want to be relying on Curtis McElhinney for any <laughs> So we both took the lightning. You, you had our sleepers, our bus, and our winner for that. That's the central division this year so far. So now we'll move to the eastern division. I think this is the most loaded division. It's basically the Metropolitan adding Boston. Um, so as of right now, the east uh, contains Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, New York, New York, New Jersey, and Buffalo. I think. Out of all the, you know, they, there's two bad teams in this division, and the rest are competent and have the a Penguins job. and <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll start. We'll start with you, Mitch. Who's your sleeper in the East? Uh, I think this is going to be a common sleeper. I think there's a chance that this team is so much of a sleeper and so much everyone's sleeper that they're no longer a sleeper and kind of overhyped. And I think that's the New York Rangers. They have so much young talent. Capocacco, Lafreniere, uh, I think they're going to make a lot of noise. They have um, some good young goaltending who's going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, I think the one kind of flaw is their defense, Truba, D'Angelo are good, but I don't know if they're necessarily going to get that defensive defenseman that they need to kind of prevent scoring chances. The thing is, they can be a sleeper and still not make the playoffs because I think you're right, this division is super deep, but I think they're going to be fun, and I think they're going to take a big step forward. I, I'm going to go with the New York team. I'm going to go with the other New York team. Well, one of the three, I should say. Uh, I'm going to go with the New York Islanders. I, I agree with you on the Rangers. I was on the Ranger train last year um, as soon as they got Breadman. You know, I, I, Mika Zibanejad is, is blossoming into a superstar in this, hockey, or in this National Hockey League. I think he is a very underrated player. I don't think he gets a lot of attention because he doesn't have that superstar on his team that everybody's like, oh, well, the Rangers should get all this publicity and attention. Um, I think, you know, him and Brett, they have so such great young talent. I think the Rangers are, are a good pick. I'm just going to go with the other – I'm going to go with the Islanders because for the reason I just mentioned, the Islanders literally are – they don't even have Amika Zibanejad-type superstar blossoming to go off of. Uh, you, I just think they are such a well-coached team and well-rounded team. They made the Eastern Conference Final last year, and they, they're here to say they made the playoffs. They they made it deep. Barry Trotz knows how to coach, and I think he has all of his players buying in to what he wants to do with the Islanders, and I think that they can make some noise in this division. Everybody counts them out every single year. Oh, well. They don't have the superstar or they don't have the, the star talent of the Capitals or the Bruins or the Lightning in the East to, to uh, compete. I think the Islanders are the team to watch for in this division. Um, I, both New York teams, like, I, like you said, it's the Rangers. I could, I could go on with you about the Rangers 
just as much. I, I think they're a good pick for a sleeper, but I, I'm going to go with the Islanders. I think both teams will be right near the top. Um, I mean, if I had to re- like, if I had to predict how I think the division's going to play out, I think Boston's going to win the. I'll get right into it. Then I guess I think Boston's going to win the division. Um, I think Philadelphia will take. I'll, will finish second. Uh, I think the Islanders will finish third. I, they're they're my third place team. That's where I have them finishing in this Eastern Division, followed by Pittsburgh, then the Rangers, uh, then the then the Capitals, then the Sabers, then the Devils. Um, but the Islanders are my sleeper. So I'll get into it. The Bruins are my division winner. I know we kind of went off schedule there. We didn't get to our bus, but I already spoiled it. Uh, Pasternak's out for a little while. We don't know how long. Uh, there have been reports saying that he could, you know, he's going to miss the start of the season, but he could be back practicing within a week or two. And then, you know, if you could be a few weeks after that, they don't know the timetable. Uh, but regardless, he'll probably be back this season. And I think the Bruins are too good and deep of a talented team that they'll still be up near the top anyways, you know, in a playoff spot that when he comes back, they'll just start doing what the Bruins do over and over again. Now, key note, though, they lost their captain, Zidane Chara, to, to the Capitals. Yeah. Uh, which it's is so a weird huge, seeing him in the Capitals uniform. Huge surprise. I, yeah. I, you know, texted my friend who's a Bruins fan, and I said, I just can't see Chara not retiring in a Bruins uniform. I, that's weird. That's, I know he's not the player that he once was. I, he wants more money or whatever it is, but he's got to retire in a Bruins uniform. Uh, now P- Patrice Bergeron, right? Oh, excuse me, Patrice Bergeron, rightfully so, taking over the captain duties for that Bruins team. Uh, Marshan's still there. Krug's still there. Uh, no, he's not. Oh, no, oh, no, he's not. Excuse me. McAvoy's still there. Yeah. Uh, I think that they are still a very good team, and I think they'll win the East. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also have them winning the East, kind of for the reasons they laid out. Um, but I think that Krug loss is going to be kind of low-key. Yeah. He's now on the Blues now, basically plug-and-play replaces Angelo, who left St. Louis. Um, I think the thing is, I think they're going to win the division, but I don't think it's necessarily because how good they're going to be this year. I think they were so good last year that they have mm-hmm. room to fall and still be an elite team. They were, I think, the best regular season team in the league last year. Uh, and so you can lose past half of a season of Pasternak and an entire season of Krug and still – likely win the division if if i was to guess if one of the division winners who i think is most likely to lose their division that i'm going to predict i think it would be the bruins mm-hmm. i can agree with that i just think we already you know we already talked about it this division is so well aligned and so you know so much firepower each one of these teams the bruins could easily lose this division there's One a team lot of, goes on an eight-game win streak in this 56-game season, and you're just and, winning the division by eight points. Yep, yep. The, the this this division I think is the is the best overall division. Uh, it's literally, like I said, it's literally the Metropolitan, but you add the the uh, Bruins and the Sabers, and you take out Columbus and Carolina. Yeah. But as moving on to the bust of this division, who do you think will be the bust? You just mentioned them. I think it's the Buffalo Sabres. I don't know if anyone anyone out there is expecting huge things from the Sabres, but I think they went out and they signed Killer Hall, and that was like kind of, ooh, the, the Sabres mean business. And I like the Sabres. I really like what they do. I like some of their talent on offense. 
but I think they're just a really flawed team who's just failed to address their flaws. Um, they struggled to score goals last year, so they went out and got Taylor Hall. But the thing they struggled the most at was goaltending, and their goaltending didn't change at all. Linus Allmark is not a number one goalie in this league unless he takes a big step forward, and Carter Hutton is on the way down. So uh, I think there's a chance that the Sabres just let up far too many goals to compete in this, in this as you mentioned, pretty even and strong division. I'm going to go with the Washington Capitals as my bust. I, I think they've, they're, they've made too many moves. They're not the same Capitals team they were two to three years ago. They're on the decline. Ovi's only getting older. Holpe's not even in net anymore. Uh, they signed Zdeno Chara. They signed Justin Schultz. They signed Connor Sherry. I firsthand experience can tell you, you know, with those two at least, uh, Schultz has been on the decline the last few years. Sherry's been on the decline the last few years. And Chara, I mean, I, did they want to bring in a veteran presence? I don't, I don't really understand. You know, I love Zdeno Chara. He's, he's a Hall of Famer. But what, like, what, what's the need for Zdeno Chara at this point? Like, what, what team, what, a penalty kill? Like, a, I don't know what he's doing for you. Yeah, I didn't really get the signing either. I don't, I don't know. Again, it's nothing against Zdeno Chara. He's just getting old. I don't, I, I don't think the Caps – are going to be in their true form this year. I really don't. Um, and I think that they are going to be the bust out of the East. Uh, I'm not saying they're not going to be a good hockey team. They're going to be there. They're going to compete um, with those top teams. But like I said, I have them finishing, I think, third to last in this division um, in front of the Sabres and the Devils. So I think the Capitals are the bust in the East, uh, at least for me. Um, but again, this division, I think, is going to be the best division overall. So even a bust in this division can still be considered a good hockey team and could possibly be near the top in another division. Uh, but so moving on from the east, we now go to the north, the Canadian division. Uh, I know you're excited about this one, Mitch. Uh, this division con uh, contains Calgary, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, and Edmonton, every single Canadian team that you can think of in the NHL. Um, I'll let you start off, Mitch, uh, your sleeper team, who you think will be the sleeper out of this division. I toyed, the country of Canada, I should say. Yes, out of this country. We shouldn't even call it a division. It's just a country. Um, I toyed with the idea of picking the Senators because I think Stutzel's great. Watched him at the World Juniors. He's fun. They got Matt Murray, who is, as much as you can criticize him, certainly an upgrade for them and certainly at least someone who they can rely on to be their goalie. Um, and they brought in a lot of veteran talent. Dadanov's there, and they kind of – Stepan's there. They filled out a roster, which is something they didn't do last year. So I think they'll take a step forward, but I think my sleeper is the Habs. I think the Habs, with Jake Allen and Carey Price, can give uh, any other goaltending tandem potentially a run for their money this year, and I think goaltending is going to be huge. Uh, I, I like the Tyler Toffoli signing. Uh, I thought it was good value in this kind of depressed free agent market. And I think they have a lot of young guys who can take a big step forward. Suzuki, Kakinyemi, uh, I think they're, they're going to be a good, fun, dynamic team. I am going to go with the Vancouver Canucks as my sleeper. I think they proved it last year that they are a, they're another one of those teams, like the, like the Hurricanes, that have a good, young core coming up and building around. Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat, Brock Besser. They just signed Braden Holtby as their goalie. With, with all of that Stanley Cup playoff experience and a cup under his belt, 
I, I think the Canucks are the sleeper in this division. Um, I think they're right up there near the top. I think, you know, we say that the East is the best. I think that this could be the most competitive division out of all four. I'm not saying it's the best, but I think as far as the talent of the teams equally distributed, I think each one of these teams with maybe the argument of Ottawa has a legitimate chance to win this division. Uh, and I, I think Vancouver is, is my sleeper. Um, well, I don't think they, I know they are my sleeper uh, with all that young talent. They made the playoffs last year. Um, I, I think they're here to stay for quite some time. I think uh, the Canucks are going to make some noise and I I'm, I'm going to have them as my sleeper. Uh, We'll go to the opposite now, the bust of this division. Um, I'm interested to see who you're going to pick for this one. Uh, I think there's a good chance we're choosing the same team on this one. I'm <laughs> going to choose the Edmonton Oilers. I know they have who I believe, and I think most people agree, to be the best player in the league in Connor McDavid. They have probably one of the other five or six best players in the league in Leon Dreisaitl. Um, But I think they're going to have the same issue they always have. It's everyone after that. James Neal is maybe going to give you 10, 15 goals. Kyler Yamamoto is taking a step forward. But their goaltending, I'm a, a Miko Koskinen defender, but I don't know if he's going to be a good goaltending tandem with Mike Smith. And I think Oliver Clefbaum is out for the entire year. I was reading reports that he might not even be ready for next year, which leads me to think this is a really serious injury that we should keep an eye on uh, for the next couple of years. And Tyson Berry looked like a disaster in Toronto last year. He's probably going to be good quarterback in that power play, but not much else. The Oilers, in a shortened season, if they get 56 games from both Dreisaitl and McDavid, they can just carry them into the playoffs. But if they either of them miss time, and even if they do play the whole season, they're just more flawed than kind of any other team except for maybe Ottawa in this division. I can agree with you here. Uh, I was debating on Edmonton or Toronto uh, for, for two different reasons. Edmonton is you just, you hit all the pieces right there. I think goaltending has been their Achilles heel for the last X amount of years. I don't even know how many times you can say it. And you brought up a good point. McDavid and Dreisaitl can carry them into the playoffs in a shortened season. I think that helps the Oilers. Uh, if it's more drawn out, if it's a regular 82 game season, it hurts them because they can only do so much for so long. But I think a shortened season helps them, and the goaltending is just not there. Again, who who else? You said James Neal, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. You said you mentioned Clef Bombs out for the year. Their top defenseman. I I don't know. This team, I think, can get into the playoffs. I'm not saying they will. I think they can. Uh, you said McDavid and Dreisaitl, you know, easily two of the top seven or eight players in the league. Uh, I, I think they could very well be a bust. But the other reason I said Toronto is Toronto's a very good hockey team. There's no debate about that. It's just what they do when they get into the playoffs. You know, if they have to match up at all against the Boston Bruins in the playoffs, you can just count them out. Uh, I, I, Toronto is that team where they have so much talent. It's almost like you get in the playoffs and how do you collapse every single year? Yeah, it's just Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews. I don't think Freddie Anderson is even that bad of a goalie. John Tavares. I, like, they have so much good, even with just Matthews and Marner, young talent with them. I don't know how they do this every year. Obviously, they had a huge loss 
in Kapanen, but but you might be overstating that one. <laughs> uh, I again, two different reasons I'd pick both. I'd, I'd go with Edmonton as my bust. Uh, I just because everybody's everybody's high on him every year because of Connor McDavid solely, uh, and the man can only do so much. And while he does do that much and more, and he has you know the Robin to his Batman and Drysital. We all know it wins playoff games, goaltending, and they just don't have it. I don't think Koskinen's it. I don't think he's the answer. And I think that they are the bust in this division. With that being said, the winner of this division, I, I'm probably going to have to go with Toronto. Uh, as I said, they could be my bust, but you mentioned with the Lightning, they could be your bust, but they, you know, you pick them to win the division. I think they are clearly the best on paper talented team all around in this division um i think winnipeg is up there and i think uh, vancouver can even squeak in montreal if they make a run excuse me if they make a run like they did in the playoffs last year you said the goaltending tandem you know carrie price has been a top three goalie every year of his career uh, and Jake adding Jake Allen now, they can give Carey Price rest, especially in this short, se- condensed season. Um, but I, I think Toronto is just on paper the best team in this division, and I think they win this division. Um, and, uh, again, the only teams that I see compete. I think Winnipeg's a solid team. Connor Hellebuck's a very, very competent goaltender. Shifley and company, Blake Wheeler and company. You know, I, I think that they – and Patrick Laine – I think that they are a very well-rounded team. Uh, hopefully we get to see fans because everybody loves the whiteout in Winnipeg, but I don't know if we'll get to see fans at all this year. I don't know if it's just going to be a limited capacity. I don't know if it's just going to be no fans for the entire season or playoffs, but that's what we need back. That's what makes playoff hockey so special and playoff hockey. But I, I think Toronto's winning this division. Yeah. You're, you're not going to hear any arguments from me. Uh, I think the Leafs are, I agree. They're the best team on paper. I think they're going to win the division less because of that talent and more because I think the management went out and addressed every single area of concern that this team had from last year. Everyone said they didn't have a good number two defenseman to unlock Morgan Riley. They went out and got TJ Brody, who played alongside Mark Giordano and helped Giordano win a Norris trophy. Uh, They said the team wasn't gritty enough. They said the team didn't have leadership. So they went out, got Zach Bogosian, Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton, who is going to play on the first line apparently, which is fun. But so I think they, Kyle Dubas, the general manager of the Leafs uh, is kind of bought into this culture of playing fast, playing small, playing with the dynamic offense. And I think he finally admitted maybe internally or externally, or has some push from someone else that they kind of needed to diversify this team a little bit. And they went out and addressed all the areas of concern and all the reasons people, people like Brian Burke were saying this team wasn't good enough. And sometimes the old school thoughts like that get criticized and rightfully so, but there was a reason they worked at one point. Uh, And so I think having a little bit of that sandpaper and a little bit of that grit is going to really help the Leafs. So we have three out of four divisions down. We'll move on to the final one here real quick. The West division, Vegas, Los Angeles, Minnesota, Anaheim, Arizona, St. Louis, San Jose, and Colorado. Mitch, we'll start with your sleeper team out of the West. This is a hard one. It's hard to find a sleeper team because I really don't like a lot of teams in this division, but I'm going to go with the Minnesota Wild and maybe less because I think they're 
a sleeper team as much as I think they have a lot of sleepers. I like who's on this team. Kaprizov, I'm not sure how to pronounce his first name, but he's a a young Russian forward who had for the last two or three years we've been hearing about as kind of like the best player not playing in the NHL and the best prospect who hasn't come to the NHL yet. He could just come out and be a point per game guy. Um, Then I think the signing of Cam Talbot was good as well. He was really good in Calgary last year, really underrated. Uh, and I think he could steal them some wins, but he's probably not going to be, what, a 36 start guy in a 56 game season. He's probably going to be more like a split time. I'm going to go with the Arizona Coyotes as my sleeper. Uh, I think Rick Tockett now finally getting settled in in Arizona from Pittsburgh, Phil Kessel getting settled in. They have Clayton Keller, Ekman Larson. They are a good young team. I've been mentioning a lot of core young teams. Uh, but I think Arizona is the sleeper in this division. I think they can make some noise this year. Uh, you know, it, it takes head coaches a little bit of time in the National Hockey. It's not an easy league to win in. Um, and I think with this division, I don't think it's a very strong division. And I think Arizona has a legitimate chance of being that third or fourth team in this division. Um, if I had to put it, if I had to play it out right now, I'd have them battling for the three spot with St. Louis. But uh, I. I have Arizona in my top four in this division, and I think they can make some noise. Again, you you mentioned it. Anything can happen in this season with this condensed 56-game schedule. If a team gets hot and goes on a seven- or eight-game winning streak, that can put them in great position to make the playoffs. Um, and I think Arizona's this team. I think they're the sleeper in this division. They don't get a lot of publicity. And not, and nobody's going out there and saying, oh, my, you got to watch out for the Coyotes in the West. I, I think Arizona – has a chance to make some noise and battle for that three spot in this division. Uh, with that being said, we'll move to who who's your bust out of the West. So this is kind of an interesting one. My bust is this entire division. I think <laughs> aside from the teams I like in this division, which are the Golden Knights, the Avalanche, and St. Louis, and kind of Arizona, I think every other division team in this division could be a bottom five team in the league. Uh, I think – all my fantasy drafts, I'm loading up on Golden Knights and Avalanche because I think they're going to run the table in this division and absolutely dominate, score just 1,000 goals. And I think this is the worst division in the division I'll be paying attention to the least this year. I agree with you. Uh, not, I mean, I agree with you that this is the worst division, uh, without a doubt, primarily because of the, the California teams. But I think if I had to pick a bust, you might be surprised. Uh, I'm going to go with the Blues. I I don't see the Blues getting back to, you know, the form that they were in when they won the Cup. Um, and as as we mentioned that this division's bad, um, I think the top two teams are clear-cut top two teams, uh, Colorado and Vegas. I have Colorado finishing first. I guess that spoils it again. I really got to stop doing that. But I have Colorado finishing first and Vegas finishing second. Um, but, I again, I can I can easily see Arizona finishing third in that three spot and then St. Louis at four. Um, I'm not saying that they're not going to be a playoff team, but I just don't think that they're going to be the St. Louis uh, that makes those, that can make that cup run. I don't think that they have it in them this year to do that. And again, they could prove me wrong and say, you know, Joe, you were wrong. We, you know, whatever, we took that to heart, but I, I see them finishing third or fourth in this division and I don't see them being as, as you know, they're always going to be that nitty-gritty team uh, that wins face-offs, that wins the checking battles, uh, that, that's physical. 
you know, gets pucks on, gets pucks to the net. Uh, but I, I see them finishing third or fourth. Uh, and I'll just go, I have Colorado winning the division. Um, I think it'll be very close with them in Vegas. I think Vegas is a well-rounded team. I think Colorado has more offensive firepower. Uh, everybody's been waiting for the Colorado, Colorado breakthrough. Um, everybody's been waiting. A lot of people had them going to and winning the Stanley Cup last year. Uh, yep. Ex- yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that top line, I don't think it's the best in hockey. I think Rantanen's kind of taken a dive off. And I think, you know, Landis Cog with his injuries and stuff, um, but I th- they're still a very, very, very explosive hockey team. And they have one of the top three players in the world. Uh, when, you, when you have one of the top three players in the world, you, you can do good things. Uh, and Nathan McKinnon. So I think Colorado wins this division. And I think it's close with Vegas, but I think they edge it out over the Golden Knights. Yeah, I, I have the exact same top two. I have the Golden Knights. Because um, I think the acquisition of Pietrangelo is going to be huge for them. Shea Theodore and Pietrangelo is as good. I don't know if they're necessarily playing together, but that's as good of a one and two defenseman as any other team has in the league. And then they have Mark Stone, who I think is probably the most underrated player in the league right now. He is unreal at both and every every single facet of the game. Pacioretty's been great there, low-key. No one's really talking about him ever since he left Montreal. They're just such a deep team. They're so fun. They got Robin Lanner and Marc-Andre Fleury, who would be a number one goalie on almost every any other team in the league. Um, I think the Avalanche and the Golden Knights are the best two teams in the league. I think they're both in the same division, which sucks for both of them, because only one of them can make the Final Four. But I think they're the two best teams in the league, but I would lean Golden Knights. I do agree it'll be close, though. Very close finish. And a lot of supporting pieces, too. William Carlson, Riley Smith, Jonathan, Jonathan Marchessault. You know, it, the Golden Knights are a very well coached and rounded team. And I can easily see Peter DeBoer's squad winning the Western division, um, as you mentioned, but that's, that's all the divisions that we got there for you. We had our predictions for the divisions. We're going to get to a few award predictions here, uh, who we think will win each of these awards, Mitch, I'll start off. We'll start off with the heart trophy, as you mentioned, uh, who do, you, who do you think is taking on the Hart Trophy this year? If I was to choose a sleeper for this one, I would say Mark Stone for the reasons I just mentioned. I think he's uh, kind of up there with Patrice Bergeron as one of the best two-way forwards in the league. Uh, but I will choose McKinnon kind of for the reasons you outlined why you like the Avalanche. Uh, he's one of the best three players in the world. Uh, and I think his team relies on his line for a lot of scoring. And, and I think they're going to be a great team. And that's kind of the recipe for winning the MVP. Be on a good team. Uh, have your team really rely on you for scoring and then score a hundred points. I, I can agree with you. I think I think I was going to, I was going to take McKinnon. Um, the only debate I have is I, I think I'm going to go with McDavid and I'm going to say this. I'm going to say why I think McKinnon has a better team. And I think this shortened season will favor McDavid more than it will McKinnon because McKinnon, the, the avalanche were going to make the playoffs, whether it was in a 56 game season or a 150 game season, you know, I, the avalanche, I don't think that is out. That's out of the question. Uh, I think McDavid can really show in this 56 game season, how he can carry this team, even though it's a shortened season with dry I think that he will show, okay, 
I'm literally going to put all of you on my back besides Drysaddle, and I'm going to carry you to the postseason. I don't care what it takes. This is a shortened season. We have less of a chance to screw things up. I think he shows his true colors, and I think he can carry them to the post to, to postseason play. Excuse me. I think he wins the Hart Trophy this year. Uh, I mean, I guess that's that's not really a sleeper. Uh, I yeah, McDavid or McKinnon winning the Hart isn't a sleeper at all. Uh, either one Everybody of them. Could does win. a sleeper win the MVP? So. Yeah, yeah. Either one of them can win it. Um, I th- I think McDavid. I'd give the edge over or to McDavid over McKinnon to win the Hart Trophy. Uh, I I think just because of the shortened season. If it were a regular season, I'd probably agree with you and go McKinnon. But I'm going to go McDavid with this. Uh, now we'll move on to the Norris Trophy. Who do you got winning the Norris? I think when I mentioned the Leafs earlier, uh, I mentioned that TJ Brody was an underrated addition. I think he's kind of the best complimentary uh, number two defenseman in the league. He really shined besides Giordano. And I think he's going to unlock something in Morgan Riley. He's Brody is going to play great two-way play. He's going to sit back and allow Riley to take his game to a new level. I think there's a good chance Riley is a point-per-game defenseman this year. I think he could do what John Carlson did last year, be on a great team. And Morgan Riley's still a good defensive defenseman. So um, he has to lead defenseman in scoring because he's not kind of that elite shutdown defenseman to win the Norris. And I think he's got a good shot at doing that. I'm going to go with Shea Weber. Montreal Hmm. I think he continues on the high note that he left off in the playoffs last year he gave the Penguins fits last year he gave the Flyers fits last year he gave every team he gives every team that he plays fits he gets a lot of ice time he quarterbacks the power play he hits he blocks shots he does all the nitty-gritty work I, I like I like Shea Weber to win this this year if Montreal they're in that north division now which is wide open. Again, we agreed that Toronto is the best team on paper, but I think that's a very competitive division as well. And I think Shea Weber has a chance to go out and win the Norris Trophy this year. I like the way he plays. He's physical. He does the X's and O's, and he's a good leader. Um, and I, I think you look at Montreal, yes, they're a good young team, but I don't think they're great. Uh, they have great goaltending, as you mentioned. I don't think that they're that team, though, that everybody's looking, oh, well, they have this superstar because they really, besides Carey Price, you know, who, who, what superstar do they have? And I think that the, if you look at the National Hockey League, people look at, oh, superstars. Well, the Avalanche have McKinnon. The Oilers have McDavid. The Capitals have Ovechkin. The Penguins have Crosby. It's not, oh, the Canadians. They have Shea Weber. No. Uh, it's Carey Price. But he can only do so much uh, from inside the crease. I think Shea Weber takes a step forward this year, and I think that he has a chance to win the Norris Trophy. Um, that's my pick. But now we'll go back inside the crease here. Uh, this is always an interesting one. Uh, who do you got for the Vesna Mitch? There's a lot of good choices, a lot of, uh, up in the air this year. Shortened season, you know, these, these games are going, if you want to call them back-to-backs, not back-to-back nights, but back-to-back in playing the same team. Uh, going in intervals of two for almost the entire season with a few schedule changes here and there. Um, So for example, you know, uh, the avalanche could play the sharks one night on a Wednesday and then Friday play the sharks again in San Jose, both games in San Jose. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how the NHL is doing this to, you know, 
prevent the spread of COVID and the realignment and, and, and things like that. But who do you got winning the Vesna? Yeah, I think because of the schedule, because of the condensed season, we're going to see a lot of split time. I think uh, at least percentage-wise, backup goalies are going to play more than any other season in recent memory. So that kind of makes the Vesna a bit of a toss-up. But I'm kind of between two guys. My first is Tuka Rask, who is kind of an interesting pick because he left the bubble last year. He kind of abandoned Boston right before they fell off the cliff, rightfully so, to be with his family, which is fine, but he's back. I think people had kind of questions of how invested he was this team, if he was going to retire, if he'd come back. But I think he's great, and I think the team's going to ask him to take a step forward with no Tory Krug there. The defense is, at least defensively, a little worse than it has been recently. Without and my other guy is Freddie Anderson. I think uh, they could be – the Leafs could be a very good team. And Freddie Anderson, in the regular season, has proved he is kind of that second-tier goaltender. He's not elite. He's not the 925 save percentage guy. But he can flirt with 920, 918. So if he takes a big step forward, if the Leafs' defense takes a step forward, gives less high-scoring opportunities, uh, his stats could be inflated, and he's going to play a lot for the Leafs. So he could be uh, a Vesna candidate. Rask also without Pasternak the top scorer for that Bruins team. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll see how that affects the offense. I think he's in the conversation uh, for the reasons that you've stated. I think Vasilevsky's always in the conversation. Um, and, and I think even, especially without Nikita this year, uh, that'll be interesting to see again, the lightning and the Bruins still have plenty of talent to go around. So I don't think they're in any kind of threat. I think Carter Hart could be in the conversation uh, in Philadelphia. If I had to put money, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Vasilevsky. I, I think he's, he's just the clear-cut best goalie in the, in the world. Uh, I've, I, watching him blossom, you know, I, I watched him when he played the Penguins in the 2016 Cup run in the Eastern Conference Final when Ben Bishop went down with an injury and Vasilevsky had to come in. And that, that series still went seven games. Uh, and that showed a lot to me that a young goaltender like that coming in to face the eventual Stanley cup champions and still take it to seven games, take the reins over. And he wasn't, it wasn't like he was allowing, you know, six, five, six goals a game. He was keeping it to two to three goals a game. That really showed me, okay, the lightning, they're in good shape with this guy. Uh, and they've always had good tandems, Ben Bishop and Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky and, and Louis Domingue. Uh, but I think Vasilevsky is the clear cut best goalie in the world. I think it takes a hit with, Kucherov out for the year on that offense again they're still arguably the best well-rounded team in the league but I think that he is the clear-cut again I'll say the clear-cut best goalie Rask is going to have a bigger challenge it depends on how you look at the award Um, if you want to look at most dominant it's going to be Vasilevsky because of his team but if you want to look at at a guy that carried his team there I think you could put Rask in the conversation you could also put Carey Price in the conversation because the Canadians offense hasn't been known to score a lot of goals over the last few years so I think you could put any of those guys and Carter Hart could be also be there uh, but I'm going to go with Vasilevsky as my uh, Vesna winner but I want to get one more quick thought from or, uh, from you before we wrap things up here Mitch I want you to pick one team in the NHL who you think we already did sleepers for for all the divisions, but it, it could be a different team. One team that you think is going to make the most noise this year or take the biggest step up. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I think the Rangers have the chance to do that. I think they're going to get a lot of media attention with Lafreniere. People are going to be interested. But I think in terms of step up, I would have to go with the Habs. I think they're going to be really good. I think they're going to – they're Montreal, so they're going to get that media attention, at least in Canada. Uh, and I think we're going to be talking about all of their forwards taking a big step forward this year. I'm going to go – and I know this This will surprise you, uh, me on this podcast, you know, picking teams that I'm not too fond of, but I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Flyers. I think, I, I, you know, as a hockey fan, as just a fan of the game, I'm really interested to see what they can do this year. I, I, they have a lot of great talent on that roster. They have a wonderful young goaltender who is blooming into something great. And we can all see it right before our own eyes. And their coaching staff is tremendous. They have three coaches on the coaching staff that were all or still a head coach in the National Hockey League at some time. Wow. And I think that they just have a great opportunity to do something. I have them finishing second in the East. And I could easily see them finishing first over Boston. Um, I have high expectations for this Philadelphia Flyers team this year, as much as it might pain me to say it. But I'm really interested as a, as a fan of the game, as a fan of as a hockey fan. I'm interested to see what the Flyers can do. I just think that you know Couturier, they have Travis Konechny was great last year. Claude Giroux is always going to be there. Voracek's always going to be there. It, Carter Hart. Uh, I just think that they have Ivan Provorov. They have a good young core. They're physical. We all know the Broad Street Bullies are going to be there and win the physical battle. But I think the Flyers can make some noise throughout the league this year. Uh, that's my team that I'm going to pick. But uh, any final words, Mitch? We'll wrap it up here. Uh, anything you want to add or send off with? We're four hours away from hockey being back. I didn't know if we'd ever get here. It felt like it's taken forever. There is like this offseason has been. 17 years long I didn't know I was looking back at some rosters before this so Brandon Sod is just on Colorado now don't know when that happened um but I'm so happy that hockey is back it's gonna be so much fun I agree with you Mitch uh hockey is back and that's I was gonna use that as my lead off and my closing statement uh today because it is just so wonderful to see uh we've all been waiting for it since September August September Time. I don't know. It's been like 17 years. That's all I know. Yeah, it's been at least four to five months. Um, but regardless, it's back. You know, fans or no fans, uh, regular season or shortened season, doesn't matter. Hockey's back, 5.30 tonight on NBC, NBC Sports Network. Go Pens. Pens Flyers to start off the slate of five games tonight. Uh, just wanted to let you guys know, tonight also starts uh, my quest to win our Fantasy Hockey League. Uh, Mitch might not do so well this year, but I love my team. I'm in love with my team. We'll, we'll see what happens. We both have uh, two of the top three players in the league uh, in Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon. So we'll see how this season goes, but hope you guys enjoyed today's uh, extended show. Uh, we took a bit of extra time. If you can't tell that we like hockey, especially the name of the podcast. Uh, but as always, on the Sin or on the Sinbin podcast on the Sports Fluent Network. Go go ahead and check that out. There's a lot of great content on there. I'm Joe Trentley from Harrisburg, VA. He's Mitch Bannon from Toronto, Ontario. And we will see you guys next week on the Sinbin. Podcast.